Was everybody in uh, main service this morning? Okay, so so you got some you got kind of some takeaways from Sam about all church retreat. So if you weren't able to go, okay, if you weren't able to go to all church retreat, then um, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, we had our main sessions with with Pastor George Grace a guy that goes back with our family of churches, you know, decades. And then in the morning sessions, we, we would have, we would have uh, morning sessions that, that we had different guys preach at. Joe McCaig is a pastor uh, from Decatur Baptist, Decatur Baptist Church in Alabama. Alan Shelby took one, Dan Renault took one. And, and uh, those, those sessions were, were awesome. Um, and then in the afternoon, it was just free time. So time like for me to beat Shelly at pickleball, that would be a good time for that to happen. You're working on something? Yeah. And um, so, you know, just hanging out in the afternoons. And, and I tell you, we don't get enough of that. So I know if you were there, like uh, Jane was there with her grandkids. We didn't really get, we saw you in passing, but you looked pretty busy uh, there. But we did get to hang out some, like like Scott and I got to go get a burger. And um, the rest of the guys had all gone to bed. So, you know, but uh, praise the Lord, you know, we don't get to just do that kind of stuff because everybody's so busy, but it was a really good it was, it was really good, and I think the Lord really spoke to us as a, as a church body. It was very different. The evening sessions were very different than what we've had in the past. And, um, but, you know, it's, it's cool. God knows what he's doing and what we need. So here's what I would like to do. I would like to, if you went to camp, because not everybody got to go, right? And so if you didn't get to go, don't feel bad. Okay, try to go, but if you can't go, it's not like you missed the rapture, right? Um, you should try to go. I mean, really, it, it is one of our best times together. Um, but anyway, if you can just share what God showed you, and I didn't send anything out ahead of time because I don't want like 20 mini sermons, like with intro. I just, it, but if you can just share what God showed you, I think it would be really cool. Um, just to get your head around what it was like, maybe a little bit. Um, I asked, I'm like, hey, Phyllis, can I sit with you? And she's like, like, go, go. I... That's what, that's what's happening there. And uh, uh... <laughs> Scott and Sean just chilling out uh, during mealtime. This guy back here in the cowboy hat, that's George French. And, and he's a LFBI student who started a discovery Bible study, creation to Christ Bible study in his church. And it grew. And now, now he's planting a church. That Bible study has turned into a church. How many times have we heard that? Not every Bible study is going to turn into a church, but we've got Larry 
Smith back here and a whole group of people that are involved in supporting George and Jamie and, and that, that church group there. Anyway, we got to connect with people like that and do things like that. So I'm just going to leave this picture up. This is Joe McKaig. He's preaching on um, the strength of humility. And so that was really cool. So anyway, is there anyone who can give us a camp testimony? Uh, anyone who went to camp that can come up and just share in a couple minutes what God? Yeah, Wagi. Yeah, you have to come up here so we can record it. Pastor, pastor minutes or normal people minutes? So five minutes, I think, uh, uh, before I share what what uh, uh, I enjoyed uh, at ACR, <clears throat> I, I blessed that uh, last year Farhan Abbey was, came with us and this year uh, Rukus and Wissam and their children came with us and it is just a blessing for the Arabic church. Uh, uh, so uh, I dreamed that one day we will have a big section of the Arabic speaking people at ACR. And I'm praying for that. Hopefully, uh, not hopefully, prayer, praying that next year we will have a big number from the Arabic speaking people. Uh, but <clears throat> the, the, the morning session and uh, evening session was, was, was great. And uh, I am speaking as a pastor and uh, to be humble is not easy. And uh, we, we say the word itself, but to live and this humility, it is not easy. To, to apply it in your, in your life is not easy. Because sometimes uh, uh, coming from, from outside, and then I will just step aside and let you, yeah, go. It's not the, it is not the humility. It is the heart attitude. Sometimes we do that just to make sure you know, you see, you see Pastor Wagi, how he's humble guy. He just let people come in first. No, it is not. <laughs> and there's a true humility and there's a very good example for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that the master, King of Kings, take the very lowest job to, to wash the feet of his disciples. I'm, I'm telling you as uh, a Middle Eastern culture mindset, humility is not easy for us. But when the Lord just touch your heart and uh, learn from, from the Bible to be, to humble yourself, because uh, why you are bred for what? You know, give me one reason to, you know, uh, to, to be proud of. Everything belongs to him. Proud, uh, your, 
your what? Your, uh, your health, your certificate, your position, your money, all of this is just may go in a minute. Uh, if you are if you are working in a very high position and some virus come to your brain you will forget all everything you learned it and you uh, so and uh, for for the learning in in evening i remember a statement bob matthew taught me while he discipled me when we argued about anything book chapter verse Wagi, show it to me book chapter verse uh vegetarian fasting as our background orthodox and the catholic where is that Wagi? book chapter verse so we open the book and we discover it is not <laughs> and this is what what I, I i i got from from grace george grace and the struggling we have all the churches around the book of Revelation. I will just give you also one, one example of the problems in the book of Revelation. Uh, uh, the, the sign of the woman. The traditional church is uh, interpreting that, that, uh, this, this portion of scripture that this is Mary who gave Jesus. And it is not book chapter verse. So the the, the challenges that I have uh, from from Georgie Grace, uh, it it I I sit a plan in in my heart that to work again in the book of Revelation until the end of of this year. I mean to review all this what I learned it before, what I studied before. It was great. And the company, at the, the I I can tell you we played with uh, Ruka's children. We enjoy it. It is a blessing, and this this times in in our memories, and it will be in their memories for forever, because we will stick together as the Arabic speaking church. Do you remember the first talking with Pastor Best in? You know, if, if anything, we need to think about it. And uh, sharing the church, uh, I mean all the church about the, our vision as MBT for Arabic speaking church. Um, you know, ACR, I set a plan, I will not miss any, any year by God's grace. It was a blessing for, for me and for, for Lois. And the good thing is that me, Lois, Nathan, Marlene, and uh, Rokus and Wissam was, was Joseph, uh, was a blessing for, for, for all of us. Thank you so much. Okay, open your Bibles real quick to Revelation 17. And we'll just, we'll look at what he was talking about just to help cement that like because if you weren't there it doesn't mean much but look at revelation 17 in verse one and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me 
come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So, so carried away in verse 3 in the spirit, I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-covered beast, full of names of blasphemy, with seven heads and ten horns, arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones, and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthy. Okay, and then verse five, upon her forehead was a name written, mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And so the question that George brought up was, what, what's the identification of this? As you read through, we find out it's, it's Babylon. Okay, but, but Babylon can be figurative and not just literal. Okay, so, so uh, let's see. Verse six. Where, where does it identify her as, as Babylon? Okay, like verse 18, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So, so what is the great city? What's the identification? Verse 18, verse 2, it says Babylon the great is fallen. Okay, so what is the identification of this city, of Babylon the great? Is it the Roman Catholic Church? Is it Jerusalem? Is it the United States, which took over and became Rome? Oh, Washington, D.C. It's a city built on seven mountains. Okay, so is Brussels, the head of the European Union, by the way. So is, so is Jerusalem, by the way. So, I, so is Babylon. So, so anyway, is it literally Babylon, the rebuilt city? Is it the Church of Rome? Is, is it Rome? Is it the new Rome, which is the, I mean, what's the, what's the identification of the city? And this is what George was discussing that Wagi is referring to. George was telling a story. He wasn't just doing a Bible study. Here's the story that George was telling. Hey, I know what I heard. I know what I learned. I know what most fundamental Baptist churches believe about the identification of this, that it's Rome. It's the Roman Catholic Church and that religious system, which affects, I mean, the Vatican influences all the thrones all over the world. They, the martyrs, all this stuff, like it's, he says, that's what I always believed. But then I just started studying my Bible, comparing scripture to scripture. Okay, 10 times in the Bible, that great city is found. Three times in Jonah referring to Nineveh, that great city, and, the, and then the rest are in Revelation, and it, it's the new Jerusalem is called that great city, and then Babylon is, is called that great city. So what is it? You tell me. And this is what George was doing, and he was just instigating us and reminding us of our need to be biblicists. So in other words, why do you believe what you believe? He said, I know why I believe that, because that's what everybody told me we believe this as good Baptists or whatever. So then he just went to his 
Bible and he changed his mind and he says, I think it's Jerusalem. I don't think it's Babylon. I don't think it's Rome anymore. I don't think it's a rebuilt literal Babylon. Okay. George doesn't care what you think about the identification of this city. He's trying to instigate you to know how to study the Bible and then to do that. Is that what you guys got? Like, okay. So, so anyway, that's, George gave us, uh, in terms of apologetics and in terms on why you believe what you believe, he gave us kind of a life hack, okay, except it's a Bible study hack. Okay, and this is what it is, is that, that the Bible is a Jewish book. And that helps you with people that attack the first 11 chapters of Genesis as figurative and not literal. It helps you with the Reformed theology amillennialists who, who say that the church has replaced Israel and God's done with Israel in Romans chapter 9 through 11. So we looked at Genesis 1 through 11. We looked at Romans 9 through 11. We looked at Revelation 17 and 18. And George is just trying to get you to study your Bible. But that, that, that hack, that, that key, it's pretty good. It, it, it's very helpful in terms of, of uh, being able to know what you believe and why. So. Um, okay, who's next? Camp testimony. Shelly, come on up. You got to come up here. Sorry. I know you don't want to. Let's make Shelly feel welcome. Everybody, Shelly Yow. Woo! Did that help? That did not help. Okay. Well, first of all, Pastor Bess didn't listen very much when they talked about humility and pickleball. But that aside, <laughs> I did, I did. So yes, everything what Pastor Bess said, um, the why, the why, it helped me to see that, you know, I can tell you all day what I believe, what I know about what God's word says. But when somebody asked me, well, why do you believe that? Sometimes I don't have an answer. So uh, just get in the word and study it. So I know why. So I can give an answer, the apologetics. The other part was getting to know Emma and playing pickleball with her and Phyllis and Marla and Sudi and her kids. I mean, it was great. So this is our forever family. We're gonna spend all eternity with you guys. We need fellowship. It was great. That's it. <laughs> okay, I, I repent of, of my pickleball pride. Okay, Marla, come on up. That's fine. We don't want polished performances. We just want to hear what God told people. Amen. All right. Me years ago to go start the, the summit church. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I was trying not to get it too close to me. <laughs> so I got to see my discipler who abandoned me a few years ago to go start the least help start the least summit church. And um, it was really great catching up with her and seeing a lot of the people that we haven't seen in years. And Tish came up and just a whole bunch of people that haven't seen in years. And then the children's program. Wow. And there's something about being on that right hand side of the stage from us in that front row. There were two kids, one from each group that were doing their own praising. <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> the whole performance was beautiful, but I really got a kick out of the, the two children in the front row and the young people the just raising both hands in praise as high as they could. So many young people and going to the altar and, uh, and Phyllis pointed out that I had seen one young man just ran down the aisle to Sam and that was beautiful. Then uh, Dan Renault's message on Thursday, without an outpouring of prayer, our activity is meaningless. And he's so right. I mean, we can do so many things, even start a Bible study and sometimes skip the prayer and just jump right into it. And it's meaningless unless you start out in prayer. Um, George Grace on Friday night, the forgiveness is a choice. We don't have to forgive, but it is our choice. And it's meaningless if it, I mean, it has to mean something when you forgive somebody. You can say, I forgive you, and then just go on and on and on about something that they did to offend you. That means you didn't forgive them. So stop talking about it. That's it. That's not all I got, but that's all. Okay, so let's, let's just expand on some of these things. So Dan Renault was one of our morning speakers. He's the pastor we sent from here to plant Living Faith Lee Summit when his Bible study turned into a local church. And so Dan um, taught on prayer and he started off his session with things you can do without prayer. Okay, so let me, let me find my notes real quick. So I wrote them down. Um, All right, things you can do without prayer. In other words, things you can do without God. Just you can do this without God. You can study your Bibles. You can do a daily devotion. You could even start and lead a Bible study group. You can teach the Bible. You can serve in the church. You can evangelize. In other words, in other words, all the stuff that we're supposed to be doing, you can do without prayer. Oh, that's kind of convicting. Because how many times have we done that? How many times do, are we just going through the motions? I'm serving God, and God's like, oh, I don't need you. Like, like you know, you're, you're going to be Martha and not Mary right? That kind of a thing. And, and there's a lot of things that we can do for God, but then we don't have the time to spend with God. So in other words, we're going to, Dan said it this way, we're going to get our satisfaction from the things that we do instead of getting satisfaction from the person of God. 
Okay, well, obviously that's that's not cool. Okay, if if I did a lot of things for Christine, so I have to go to work and make a lot of money so that, that I can provide a home and food and clothes and all this stuff, and I do all this stuff for Christine, but I don't have any time for Christine. Okay, she's gonna be that house plant. You know, if, if house plants don't get watered and they get kind of prickly, have you noticed that? So I'm a husband, husbandman. I'm supposed to be a gardener. I'm supposed to tend. So I don't want a prickly wife. So I, I can't just do things for her. Okay, if my kids never spent time with me, they just did stuff for me. Oh, that'd be so sad. I'd be like, stop, sell everything, burn it all. Let's go live in a tent and we can spend time together. I don't want, I don't want you to, I, I want you. Okay, so prayer centers us. And then whatever, whatever overflow of that overflows into the lives of others and in our ministry together, praise the Lord. That's going to be something authentic, genuine, true fellowship. That's what we want. And, and so, you know, don't trade union for God with perceived godly activity. Doing the work of God can take precedence over a close relationship with him. Okay, so we are a busy church. So I'm talking to somebody. Okay, I, I, was, I was so thrilled with this message. I, I told them, like, this is like a living well class message, like living wells and overflow. Like, just sounds like something we would do here, but... It's definitely a trap that we can fall into. So any, um, and then we talked about humility. Shelly talked about how I don't have it. And, <laughs> and Wagi talked about humility. That came out of 1 Peter chapter 3. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 real quick. And um, you know, Joe McCaig talked a lot about this. He said, submission is an attitude. Obedience is, anybody remember? Submission's an attitude. Obedience is an action. Okay. And then he gave some examples. Like we can be obedient without being submissive. You know, you're just like mad or, or aloof or distant. Like, oh yeah, sure. I'll, you know, but really not, don't have a submissive attitude to the Lord. By the way, here's the mission. Here's the mission. I want to put myself under the mission of God. There's a lot of other things I could yield to in this world, but it's the mission of God. I want to be under that umbrella. I want to be under that authority structure, his mission. I want to submit to him. If you join the military, you don't start as president of the United States, commander in chief. You start somewhere like down, a lot farther down than that. We, we are the Lord. He's the Lord. And, and we're just servants showing up to serve. But we want to be under that. If you signed up for the military, you sign up, you agree, you'd make some sort of oath or whatever. I will do the duties of the military. Like, what, like you're putting yourself under that. To submit is just like a, an attitude that says, I will be under your authority, under your mission. Who wouldn't want that? Submission's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But it's an attitude, whereas obedience is an action, you know. And so if we're submissive in attitude but not obedient, then we're just kind of, we're, we're cowardly in action maybe. 
But if we're obedient without being submissive, then we're just rebellious in our attitude. So, um, so, so anyway, in First Peter chapter three, verse eight, if these things be in you and abound, they'll make you neither. Oh, that's Second Peter. Sorry, First Peter three eight. Finally, my brethren, be of one mind, having compassion one one another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. That means to be full of pity. Be courteous. And it just goes through these lines that that describe someone who's humble. And and Joe's thing, that, and this is what Wagi referred to, was humility is actually very misunderstood. Okay, it's not a position of weakness. It's actually a position of great strength because. The humble person has no confidence in self. Literally, zero confidence in self. It's 100% confidence in God. And we tend to think of humility as, I'm such a rotten, horrible sinner. Like, well, whatever. No, it's not. To, and this is what, um, was it Murray? Anyway, there was a quote to... True humility is not to think of one's self meanly. That means in a small manner. Like I, I think about how horrible I am. That's not true humility. True humility is not to think of yourself at all. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so bad. Whatever. It's just like I'm, it's all Christ. All my confidence is in him. I know he can lead me. And when he does, I'm just going to be like, okay, that's it. All my confidence is in him. How it turns out, not my problem, right? So true humility is 100% confidence in God and 0% confidence in self. So I don't have to actually prove to you guys anything. You're like, well, I don't think you're a very good pastor. (laughs) Yeah, okay. But what's that? I'm not trying to be a good pastor. I'm just trying to be obedient. Like, I'm not trying to prove to you guys what I know or what I don't know or how good I am or how bad I am. It's all relative. There's one that's good, and that's God. So so anyway, it's no confidence. Does that make sense? True humility is a position of great strength because you're not trusted in yourself anyway. Anyway, um, that's kind of hard to get your head around. I try to explain this. Like, but Joe did better than I did. So you got to go back and, and look at that. Okay. So we talked about, Joe talked about humility. Dan talked about prayer. What other testimonies do we have? Camp testimonies. God showed someone something. Nothing else. Deanna, come on up. And then Phyllis. Okay. Deanna, then Phyllis. I'm going to, if I leave my stuff here, is I going to mess you up? You guys are getting pretty good at the clapping. <laughs> well, um, started off with Eric Phillips, and I know um, he was leading the praise. I, it started off with Eric Phillips. He was leading the praise um, the first night, and he just asked the question, is there anything that you're trusting God for and or trusting in his promises? And it made me think of Proverbs 22, 6, and all you guys know that I'm praying for my son. And he has been trained up in the way that he should go. And, um, and it was just really neat to be able to have that. But the reason I have that 
is because of what Joe McCaig was talking about and even George Grace was talking about. What is hope? The way we get hope is through suffering. We have to know that we can trust him. And, um, and God's let me do that. <laughs> Got to humble me through all the different things that he's allowed us to go through, my husband and I. But, um, but he does. I mean, if there wasn't a reason for us to trust God, why would we? And so, um, but um, yeah, I wrote it in my journal, but... Anyway, um, I know I have a, I, I write everything down. It is large. <laughs> I heard somebody say that my, 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 my Bible is, I mean, my um, book is large. But um, all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, and to the glory of God by us. Um, and that's the cool part about it, because um, when, when we got saved, we didn't go to heaven. Because um, we have a job to do. And, and so, and that, that just reminds me that he gave us these promises to trust in, but the whole purpose of him being able to fulfill those promises in us is us being able to give glory to God through us trusting in them. Cause then people are going to see it and they're going to trust in God. And um, because it, it said through the glory of God by us. And um, when we, so that's why we have to still be here. I had another a girl that I was counseling this week. Oh, I just want to go to heaven. That's the easy way out. We have a job to do and we need to do that. And when we go through suffering, we get to show them the fellowship of, of his sufferings. We get to show him, show everybody around us. We get to shine Jesus. And if we, um, if we were just a spirit and that's why he needs, that's why we need our flesh. It's awful, but we need our flesh because if we didn't have our flesh, they wouldn't be able to see us. So, um, so they need that. And so God was just really reminding me that from the very first moment. And then what he had reminded me of is I need to do LFBI. I need to go through um, and I need to know, I need to do the survey of the Bible. I need to go through and know every single one of those books, how they fit together. It's one thing to be able to pray all the time, which is awesome. That is everything. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the only way we can get open doors. That's the only way we can have the power. Everything is through prayer. But I need to know my word. I, I'm, I'll, I'll use yours. I need to know your word, the, the word of God. <laughs> this, is, this is not the word. Okay. And so, <laughs> but yeah. And so anyway, um, God was really putting that on to make sure that I do that. And it was funny too, because on our way home, um, Michael's like, we need to go through LFBI. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Because both of us have been through our old LFBI. It was like a shepherd school back in the day. But, um, but yeah, we need to always be learning because God's worth it. So. Well, right behind what uh, Deanna just said is, yeah, pray, praying is ministry. And that's what uh, uh, Joe McKay spoke about um, that really, you know, hit home. Um, 
sometimes you think you want to pray out of obligation, but it's just a ministry that we should do consistently all the time anyway. Um, and then he spoke about charity. He said, charity means I'm going to do something for someone and I don't expect to get anything back. Uh, you know, some people look for, okay, I did this, so they'll remember and later they'll come back, whatever it may be, but we're supposed to give it freely without even expecting uh, that you're going to get it back. And, and I'm not trying to brag about myself, but there are some people who will come to me and say, you remember you gave me this or you said this? And I say, no, because really, when it leaves my hand, you know, or someone will say, uh, you gave me this, but I couldn't use it and I gave it to someone else. And I'll say, well, when I gave it to you, it became yours. So it's the same thing here about uh, charity and loving others. And it's dear to my heart. It says, seek out people who need somebody to love them. Some or most are not going to love you back. Be persistent and consistent. You know, because sometimes we get turned around in a way if we get scorned or mocked. But that's all part of the program. And it's going to happen. When we think about love and charity, it's the giving. It's not so much of the receiving. And then the other thing is um, doing everything in the power of God. And we hear Pastor Beth saying that all the time. It's not really about us. You know, we think about our feelings and our hurts and all that. But it's really in the power of God. And we can do all things through him that gives us strength. Um, the testimonials of so much stuff. I, this is my first time going. So I was like a kid in the candy store and I was looking all over the place to see what I could see and do and all the above. But, and I know here in Midtown, we hear a lot of testimonials and we hear from missionaries, but it's just a broader thing when we're there that we hear more and, and we get a chance to really hone in on what they're saying and we really realize the vastness of what we do. And it is huge. Um, and then um, Pastor Grace talking about tying together the controversial passages, that was an eye opener. Like, wow, I mean, to the volume and the depth with which he went and him walking us through it and saying, oh, it's just a hundred pages. You could read that in 30 minutes. I'm like, 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, how does he read? Uh, and then of course, you know, the children always lead us and listening to the songs. I, I, I don't know. I was so busy looking at the children, their faces and their antics that some of the uh, titles of the songs, I didn't get them, but, um, the three, four, and five-year-olds sing, his eyes on the sparrow. Let me take a little side step. I've always said, uh, I remember my grandmother taking me to church and learning Jesus loved me. And that took me a long way for a long time because it was in my heart. So knowing that these children are getting exactly the same thing, if it's a song, they're gonna remember if that was their first time at camp, they got all of these songs that's gonna take them until they can get to the point of understanding. Um, so, the three, four, and five-year-olds um, 
saying, uh, his eyes on the sparrow and God made us special, uh, everybody special. Uh, God loves all his creatures, creations. There, there is just one you. I mean, these are just some, just think the power and how scripture grounded those are. Um, and then the first through the fifth graders said, like a tree, uh, fortress around my heart, uh, step out, wait for the Lord. And I think it was the last song, I'm not quite sure. My soul waits, waits, my soul trusts, my soul hopes, my soul sings, wait for the Lord, find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. Isn't that beautiful for the children to carry away with them from the camp is wonderful. Amen. <laughs> So Christine and I used to run the kids camp at camp and Sam said, look, we don't want everybody. We want people able to go to camp. You can't just get all the work, you know, you need a skeleton crew so that most. So one year after it started to grow, Christine and I are dragging ourselves home. So we have five kids. So after paying for ourselves and our five kids, to go to camp and then working 23 hours a day at kids camp we we came home and we're like okay lord you we can't do this anymore we just started praying cuz no cuz we were cuz we were uh we we helped build the children's ministry here at Midtown and we were all about children's ministry right like we we were we God had blessed us. It was like, you know, we had the best teams ever. And we're like, Lord, you see, we can't do this. Uh, just take us home now. If we have to ever do this again, it's too much. And, and um, so we just prayed. And then Jenny Kuyat talked to Christine and said, hey, I think maybe God wants me to run a children's program for you when you guys do your family camp. Christine said, yes, he does. <laughs> Thou hast spoken truth. It is a word from the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, Jenny is maybe the most gifted person on the planet. I don't know how she does it. She takes these kids who are all from different places at different ages. They're all exhausted with, you know, mom separation and all these, and she gets them all lined up and she teaches them a song. They have the songs memorized. They are doing the actions. They're singing out and they are like, they sang Psalm chapter one to us. And it's like, if you're not moved by that, then, then I don't know, you're, you're not wired right. It, it's, it is absolutely amazing what she does and how she does it. But pray for her and her people and eat lots of walking tacos every chance we do it, because that's what we're raising money for. But I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, it is a gift of God that she's able to do that. 
Um, I'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. She started. Yeah, we were back at Windermere and, and doing all that. Let me let me wrap up and, and then we can just we'll close out praying in small groups. Um, Deanna talked about LFBI. OK, so two things in regards to that. One is very practically speaking, we're going to be talking more about fellowship and more about being functional as a group. We do have a mission. That is why we're here. We kind of need to be functional. We're a rescue ship, not a cruise ship. We're here to rescue the perishing. Well, everyone needs to know what your station is and what to do there. Okay, in terms of our very, being very practical, what we need most is disciple-ers. Okay, I, three people can't disciple 30 people. We need disciple-ers. That's really any ministry, that's where the work gets done is disciplers and our pathway for growth over here. So if you, it's, it, it's D2 is what we call it. We're, we're now calling it foundations because we have 400 Bible students in our Bible school and most of them don't go to Midtown. So they don't have, we, we talk about D1 and D2 and they're like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're talking about discipleship. They have no idea what we're talking about. So what we've done is we've incorporated the discipleship lessons into a course called Foundations. Foundations one is like how to be a student in LFBI. Here's how you write papers. Here's how you do footnotes. You got to keep up with your work. How to be a student again, because it's, it's been a minute, okay? So how to be a student. And Foundations three and four, that's what used to be D2. It's two semesters. So foundations three, first semester. Foundations four is the second semester of D2. Foundations two is D1. So here at, at Midtown, we could just keep saying D1. It's our 18 lessons of discipleship. Quick plug for discipleship. I was saved at Bible camp. Christine was saved in Good News Club as a little girl. We both went through our teenage years saved but not discipled <sighs> anyone else live for a while saved but not discipled how'd that work out it's like ah. okay you're just a little sheep out there like trotting around a bunch of wolves and lions and bears and like ah okay d1 d2 I went through Shepherd School of Ministry, the same as some of you have been around from KCBT back in the day. Um, I've been pastoring since 2009, doing the work of a pastor before that, helped plant this church. Of all the things, after my salvation, Christina tell you the same thing, the biggest influence on me was not Shepherd School of Ministry, it was D1. D1, discipleship, is the game changer. Everything else builds upon, upon the mentality that says, I can actually go to God's word and see how to live. That's what D1 is. It's just, okay, here's what God's word says. Here's how we should live. Here's what God's word says about that. That's what we should, here's what God's word says about this. And it's just a person. So it's not a sermon. It's a, it's a life lesson. 
But of all things, you know, D, that's what that's the game changer. D1 is a game changer. Now, then you build upon that foundation a bunch of other stuff. <clears throat> I'll be your instructor if you take intro to Old Testament. So that's going to be awesome because I'll just be able to put you on the spot all the time in classroom. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you, Deanna. You always have all the answers, though. I mean, that's it's good. So. One last thing, and then we'll break up into small groups and pray. One last thing is this. One thing that, that both Joe and George said, um, you know, Joe said it nicely. George said it kind of mean. That's how camp went. Okay. You're crazy if you don't jump in and be a part of what God's doing here. God, this, this isn't happening everywhere, you guys, where churches are growing and we're having to figure out how to get more tables in here. And we're, we got to figure out how to get more disciplers to, to take care of the fruit that God's going to. We have churches closing their doors all over the world, becoming apartments and condos and lofts and museums because it just seems like everyone's given up. No one understands. No one gets like who's making disciples anymore? Who understands we actually have a Bible? We're not just holding services. God has blessed mightily our faith in his word and just our willingness to say, here I am, God, here we are. We're just God's people gathered in this place. We are the called out assembly and God, whatever you tell us we're going to do. And by the way, we know what his will is. We're going to be looking at this next week. We're not blind. We're not walking in the darkness. We're not ignorant of his will. Well, that's a game changer. Okay. So anyway, listen, it's kind of crazy to not take advantage of that. And, and, and it's, a, it's kind of a neat opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. And, and you know, the, if D1 is the thing, then I don't know, step out in faith, sign up. Um, if, it's, if it's D2, then, then do that. But, but I, I would just encourage everybody to move forward as a fellowship, we, we need disciplers. I kind of need you all to get equipped to just, to just be able to say, hey, let me show you. I mean, it's, it's not like it's rocket science, but, but you, it does take time. The Arabic fellowship needs disciplers. Until you have that, God's going to give you fruit, and then you're not going to do anything with you. You won't be able to do, we have to be functional. We have to be equipped. And I would just say, uh, come on, let's do it. Let's turn the world upside down. All right, Aaron? Let's turn the world upside down. Yeah. I mean, who wants to turn the world upside down? Okay. Acts chapter two, they get saved by Acts chapter 17. The testimony of the religious rulers was, these guys are turning world upside down let's do it okay let's pray well so thank you for all you who shared testimonies camps like the best time of the year i mean it's awesome if you can try to go next year thank you for all who went and we'll pray and then we can just break up we've, we've just got if you have to go it's it's noon you have to go but we can break up into small groups uh did we wagi before he left aaron are, are we going to help him load stuff on a trailer and Okay. All right.
Okay, so Wagi and Lois closed on a house on Friday and they're moving. Well, Aaron's got like trucks and trailers and, and things. So do, is there a time we can show up and help? Now, okay. Okay, so if you can help load and unload and carry stuff. Now, it's, if you can't, don't worry about it. But if you can help, we're going to try to meet at 2.30 at Lois and Wagee's. And what's the address? Okay. All right, so 2.30 at what address? 5601 North Brooklyn in Gladstone. <laughs> Brooklyn. All right, Christine, can you put that in the what's up chat? What's app? What's app? The what's up app. Okay. Do what? Hey, that's that's better at taking ten hours with just Wagi doing it or whatever. So, okay. Who who thinks they could maybe show up for that? Okay. Nice. Okay. Cool. Let's pray and, and we'll wrap up. And if you want to pray in small groups, just go ahead and gather and then you can further pray for the things that you need to. If you have questions about D1, D2, LFBI, Foundations 1 through 4, whatever, just let me know. This, I'll, I'll plug intro to Old Testament 1 real quick. It's all, it's a foundation. The Old Testament is a closed book to half of you. But it's the foundation. Christianity stemmed out of Judaism. The New Testament comes from the Old Testament. It's the picture book of the New Testament. It's in samples for us. Um, you can audit the classes if you want. Yeah. You should just get credit, though. You should just. I've taken it. Great, it's eye opening. Yeah, Gail. It's a disadvantage to taking it without credit, just to audit it. There's a disadvantage, and that is that you have assignments that you have to do, and I actually learned at least twice as much by having to do that assignment, like the writing of a, of a book. And if I was auditing it, I would be lazy. Oh, okay. I but, but that's just me, it's just something to consider. It's not that you're achieving a credit. It's just that you're gaining much more knowledge, in my opinion. Yeah. 
So you have to do, you got to go in order. You can't go from just like D1 to LFBI. You got to go like through foundations. But anyway, um, there's a lot to know. There's a lot to know and it's all really good stuff and it provides a framework. Anyway, I'll quit. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone that's here. God, uh, uh, you know, you spoke to us at camp and we, you know, what, when you speak to us, you deserve a response. And so our response is, yes, Lord, uh, the things that, that we got, we want to uh, hang on to. We want to apply. God, we love you. We need your help. I pray for your blessing upon everyone that's here. Uh, Father, I pray for opportunities for us to simply share with others. God, not, we're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in enticing words of man's wisdom. But God, by your spirit, would you just allow us to encourage other believers? Uh, believers need encouraged, Father. And, and God, would you allow us to speak truth into the lives of people that need it? God, so many homes are struggling. They're suffering. They're losing their kids and their parents. And God, it's a godless eternity they're entering into. God, allow us to be your people. Please use us, equip us, enable us. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.